Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of The Shanice Show. It is so good to have you all here. Welcome, 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 fam. It is amazing to be your host for this journey. So like a first date, let's get into what is the Shanice show. Let me tell you, it is a show that is a lifestyle show. It's a podcast. It's a a talk show. It's all those things that you didn't know you wanted, but you're going to (laughs) want. We got episodes. We got guests that are coming in, things I've learned. It's just the all-encompassing fun, joy, and love that I want to share with you. I have some amazing guests scheduled for this season that you will totally enjoy. So for this first episode, we're going to have LaCarrie Jackson. You don't know her now, but you will know her soon. LaCarrie is a corporate raider, philanthropist, a servant. She's taking rejection from her past and turning into serving and how she healed that rejection with serving. She uh, goes across the globe in order to give herself in several different continents. So you're going to hear her story. So let's get into our first segment. I want to talk about this new study that came out um, that said that we don't spend enough time with friends. Uh, There's a new survey from Virgin Red that says that we only spend four hours a month socializing with friends. Now, I can believe that. I I don't. I talk on the phone with them, but in person, we don't. Now, it doesn't help that many of my friends and people who I love don't live in my state. So I have my friend Julia. She lives in Alabama. My cousin, McFeen, who lives in Raleigh. Um, I have all these different people who live in different locations. So I don't get a chance to speak with them and, and see them just to socialize with them. And the ones that I do have here... They mama's like me. So my friends live in Charleston. I, I have one that lives around the corner from me. Her name's Lachey. She's seven minutes from me. But we still talk to each other on the phone. I don't even get to see her. We had to go to New York a couple of days ago. And that's how I got to see her. We had to go all the way out of town in order to spend time with each other. Crazy, right? Then I got another friend. Her <laughs> I had two named uh, uh, Belinda. And my other one, well, they they still have the same one, Belinda and Tamika, both of them. I live in a whole nother side, 30 minutes away from them, but they say I live far away. So I go to them, but they can't come to me because they said I'm a traitor and I live across the river. It's okay. But I decided after reading this and looking that I want to make more time to be with friends. I don't want to be a recluse. What about you? I don't want to be a recluse and and have nobody. I love my husband and kids, but I do want to socialize with people. It says here that this trend is most pronounced among millennials ages 25 to 35, um, 34, that 37% are struggling to find time to spend with their friends. And then Gen Z, which I have Gen Zers in my house, 18 to 24, they're the only age group who actually spend more time with their friends around 36%, which I can't say. My son, Jared, he has been making time to go with his girlfriend. He visits his friends, his cousins and different things, and he makes time on the weekend. So let's go ahead and make this resolution, okay? We 
Older people, I'm 49, so if you're over the age of 35, let's make a resolution. Go ahead and start it now. And, and not as a resolution. Let's make a commitment that we are definitely going to spend more time with friends. Let's one time a month. Let's, let's just put it on the calendar that you're going to spend time with your friends more than four hours a month. At least coffee, something where you put something together because we want to be well-rounded. We want to make sure that we are the ones who are creating this community. We got internet and yes, I want you to continue to watch the show, but we still need to have that physical interaction, that personal touch interaction that we have with each other. So definitely, definitely let's do that. I have a wonderful segment today that I want to introduce you to called Raising Parents and Kids. That's right. So a little bit about me. I am a wife, a mom, a grandma, and I am raising my parents and children at the same time. I have four intergenerational children from the ages of 34 to 10. Yeah, we ain't gonna get into why that 10 year old came. Okay, let's go ahead and get into it. Because my husband is sexy, that's why. <laughs> we have an amazing blended family that we love each other. But what happens when you are raising kids and your parents get old is you wind up raising children and parents at the same time. And sometimes they do the same thing. How many of y'all can relate to me raising both of them? So let me tell y'all a story. So recently I took my mom to the doctor um, for her first appointment just cause she didn't feel like driving. And lo and behold, my mother who is amazing, she's, um, I can't tell her age cause she would kill me if I told her age, but she, Let's just say she's over the age of 75. Yeah, wink, wink. Mama, if you listen to this, I don't know why. You look good, girl. You look good. So my mother, who is over the age of 75, um, I took her to the doctor and it was amazing. We had a good doctor's appointment. I waited for her, everything else. What y'all don't know about my mom is she is the ultimate socialite. She can throw a party, which is where I get it from. She is amazing when she gets the food and the people and talks, which means that her phone is consistently blowing up. But let me paint a picture for y'all, okay? Going to the, coming back from the doctor's office, my mother's phone rings. And as her phone rings, she picks it up. Hello? And it's her cousin. Now, this is the crazy part. I'm in her car because my 70-something-year-old mama and my 87-year-old dad decides to buy the brand new Cadillac. Yeah, the big body Cadillac with all the bells and whistles. Y'all, they didn't drive this car for a whole week because they were scared of the buttons. But my mother has this car and I'm driving her car, taking her back on. And she's got her phone on her ear talking but it's connected to the Bluetooth, okay? It's connected to Bluetooth. So I hear the entire conversation. Now, mind you, I know she knows it's connected to the Bluetooth because when it was low, she reaches her hand over and turns it up with the radio dial in the car, all the while still holding the phone to her ear. So for 15 minutes that it takes to get back to her house 
from the doctor's office, I'm listening to my mom and my co- and her cousin talk about the amazing time they had at South Carolina State Homecoming and the party that they did while she's got it on her own. I was like, are you kidding me? We get to the house. I cut off the car, of course, because it's the big body Cadillac Escalade and it has all the bells and whistles. The Bluetooth is still connected. And she sits in the car, still on the phone, talking on the phone through the Bluetooth. You can't make this stuff up. I, I declare you can't make this stuff up. So as I'm, I'm so I'm going to tell you guys all these stories and things of what's happening as you're raising kids and raising adults. It's utterly amazing. <laughs> so next on the show, let's bring on LaCarrie Jackson. You'll hear her story and you'll know how amazing it is that she's doing something that she is purposed to do. we have here today is going to be amazing oh y'all just wait so the Shanice show has got extraordinary leaders on here and it's no different than the leader we have in Miss LaCarrie Jackson um, who is a visionary leader hailing from Atlanta Georgia she is the epitome of unwavering dedication and purpose and her mission is very clear to empower women globally and transform communities with over two decades of dedicated service in championing change and an indelible mark that she's made on countries and continents. That's right, y'all. Not just one continent, several continents, okay? She is the brainchild for the African Women's Economic Empowerment Initiative, and that stands as a testament for her initiatives that she does. She has revolutionary lives in Uganda, shattering cultural barriers and even helping with critical financial access to women entrepreneurs. LaCary influences uh, all sorts of women, but a few of her initiatives have been in Romania, Hungary, Cambodia, Tanzania, Kenya, South Africa, and beyond. So LaCary, she approaches all these challenges with her expertise and is a transformative woman where her journey and is going on a global scale, y'all. It's not just a little bit here. She is spreading the joy and love throughout the globe. So welcome to the Shanice Show, Miss LaCarrie Jackson. Yay! <laughs> oh my goodness, thanks Shanice. I'm so excited to be here. So thanks for the invitation. Okay, so we knew each other in a past life. And so now in my new life, I wanted to bring people over who truly inspired me, who I knew would inspire the world. And you have done this all on your own. So not only are you a corporate raider, because y'all, she does have a corporate position that is uh, pretty well up there. But this woman has decided to take her mission to the globe. What made you go into the world and really want to help all these women with economics and with um, business. Tell me how that got started. So again, thanks for the invitation and having me on the show and um, greetings to all of your viewers. Um, I think, you know, for me, Shanice, um, of course, I grew up here in Atlanta, um, Southwest Atlanta in a single parent home with my mother. I'm the only Wait child. Wait a minute. 
you you from Atlanta, you talking about Southwest Atlanta, you know you from the SWAT. That's it, straight from the SWATs, okay? So this this is why I think it's important for me to give your viewers um, just a little bit of background. Like I am straight up from Southwest Atlanta, the SWATs. So it's not like I come from a family, um, you know, that had it all together. My mom worked three jobs just mm -hmm. to take care of me and her. Um, hard worker. Um, but for whatever reason, when I was a little girl, and we can just say that, you know, I think at this point, I can say that I was born to be able to, you know, impact the globe. But when I was a little girl, and my mom would be driving, whether we were going to my grandparents' house or to a cousin's house or whatnot, I would always just, you know, think about flying on an airplane or traveling. Um, I just always had those thoughts. And so um, as I started to, you know, get older, there was one particular time when I was in high school where my mother's townhouse caught on fire and burned down. Mm, so we lost no. absolutely, we lost everything. And mind you, it's not like we were rich, right? but in a sense from even with the humble beginnings, I kind of felt like, you know, like I had a lot of things because I had shoes and right. clothes. Right. I figured I had everything. So but you didn't lost really realize how, how, you had everything you needed, some of the things right. you wanted, but you never felt like you were lacking. Never felt like I was lacking. Okay. okay. And don't don't ask me why I felt that way because I don't know, but I kind of felt like I just nothing was lacking. And um, but I'll tell you this: when the fire took everything, like literally, mm -hmm. I walked away with only the clothes on my back. And so right. from that point. From that point, um, we couldn't live in the place. So we, my mom stayed with my grandparents and I stayed with um, one of my best friends and her family mm -hmm. until they rebuilt the townhouse, until that was rebuilt. But during that time, like I had to depend on others, meaning that I had to go to the Goodwill, you know, to get clothes. Right. And that had never happened before. And I'm just going to be honest. I do believe that that in and of itself set like you know probably was a seed sown into my heart about okay right. for those who have nothing what mm -hmm. you know like you really need help like people mm -hmm. don't just up and make this stuff up you really need help and so from that point I, I can't say that I necessarily immediately start thinking about me helping others I was in high school but right. that seed was sown and so as I began to get older, like in my late um, teens, early 20s, yes. I started developing this just love for mm. helping others. And so, again, mm. maybe the, the seed was sown, but I, I do believe that over the years it was water. And so when it was time for the increase, that is when I just started having this love of helping others. And so... Um, me helping others really started out with me just going to different shelters here in Atlanta, um, domestic violence shelters, women and their children right. who, who were fleeing for their lives. And I just started volunteering with them, whatever it was. It didn't matter. 
Mentoring so do you me. get do you get like this high? Is it like you just when you're helping them doing something, it just elates you? What do you feel as you are helping others? I felt like I was um not only meeting a need, but I felt like I was being, in a sense, what I was offering or what I was delivering, like whether it was, you know, love from my heart, whether it was, mm -hmm. you know, giving a coat or whatever, I felt like I was giving my best to someone else. And so mm. I felt like they were literally receiving that love or that gesture or mm -hmm. that gift and that it wasn't rejection. And mm. and the reason the reason why this is important is because again I grew up in a single parent household. My father was not in my life at that time. Like my father and right. I, you know, that's that's a whole different story. Because <laughs> I do believe that there was something within me like feeling rejection, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I would go out and help others, I didn't know that, you know, this was one way of that, you know, just that spirit of rejection, me, me feeling like I was being healed. Um, but when others would accept what I had to offer, I felt like they were, you know, of course they right. felt love. And then I felt love, felt love by them accepting what I was giving to them. And so but that's something that's, to be, that's something to be said that, you you kind of have you've dug into the fact that you felt rejection from your father, but that rejection didn't make you bitter. It actually made you want to not let others feel rejected. And that's it, because when you think when you think about it, the people again, even before I went global, just starting local, a lot of the work that I've done has, you know, started out locally. And right. so I I really felt like they were in a position and, and I've I've always felt this way. OK, I've always mm -hmm. felt like a person who is in the position of being the underdog, that that person should have a shot at life to, you know, be, to to make it to a, a level or a place where they're no longer the underdog. The under under being an underdog can be in any area, whether it's in your finances, in your health, or in the way that you think, or in right. your physical location. And so every woman and, and their children that I would help on a local level, I made sure that they were in a place where I could at least kind of, you know, help lift them or help okay. lift their spirit. Well, you said, you said something that's before I went global and you said it like it was no big deal. Okay. Just want you to understand that, you know, yeah, I used to help locally and I still help locally, but that was before I went global. What made you go global? How did you go global? Very, very interesting question. And so the late mid to late 1990s, um, encounter so it was really like um an epiphany in a sense and i'm telling you all of a sudden i just started saying i'm going to africa now mind you i had never been had never really thought about it previously had mm -hmm. did not have people within my circle in my family or friends 
Nobody had been to Africa. No one was talking about Africa. And so because I had this spiritual encounter, I do believe that that was, um, you know, God helping me to understand that this is a part of my purpose. And so um, for 10 years, I said, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to Africa. I would tell everybody every time I met somebody or in uh -huh. a family discussion, I'm going to Africa. And they were like, okay. <laughs> so you were speaking it into existence. You, you saw speaking. it, you knew it, you knew it was going I, to be there. And I could not shake the feeling. I, I, I couldn't. It's right. like, even when, even when I wasn't necessarily trying to talk about it, it'll just come up and I'm like, I'm going to Africa. So I love long that. story I love, short. I love that because what it's doing though, is it's a real testament to the fact of not only are you doing what you said you were going to do, but you saw the seed before it it became the flower. You know, you knew Absolutely. you saw that flower, and you knew that what it was going to be. But it's it's it was more in your spirit, not more so. You know, it was deep down. It was it was deep down, and I and and I'm telling you, like I could not shake it for some reason. I was like, I can't shake this. And out of the blue, one day, my pastor's wife came to me and she said, listen, she said, you know, um, there's something with you in foreign missions. And she said, so you need to think about this. And she said, and there is a church because at that time, my church did not have a missions group. But uh -huh. she said, I, I, she said, there's a church that, you know, is really deep into missions. And so. She said, I, I want you to go with them. She said, go over there, you know, learn what they're doing and then right. just see if they, they have any trips. Out the blue, I went over and got trained and they wow. called me one day. They called me one day and said, we're going to Africa. And I said, when? And they said, in six months. I said, six months? I don't even have a passport. What are you talking about? Right. Long story short. Long story short, my pastor's wife paid for me to go to Africa. She paid for the trip in full. I went. Oh. I went and it changed my life forever. That Shout was out to the people who pour into you and who see things that you don't see. Because clearly she was connected to you in the yep. spirit. And then Absolutely. she saw something in you and she mentored you and was okay with you going and another thing you know coming up in yeah. the church myself and having a minister for a husband shout out to the pastors that sent somebody else to another church because they knew that they could not handle it now that's, that's right. how you build leaders and that's how you disciple but i bring it back you know because you know, people get kind of sticky you know? <laughs> i can't believe they taking my permission us but listen your first lady knew hey this woman needs to be served that she, was she amazing. Knew. And after I got the training and did the first trip, of course, I came back because for me, I knew deep within that it was meant for my church to engage in missions um, right. because they didn't, they didn't have it at the time. So I came back um, to my church and just, you know, went back kind of like in a sense, um, um, you know, when you think about how people get anointed, you know, and yes. then they go back to doing their regular jobs yes. in, in yeah. this time. 
So I went back and just, you know, was doing regular things around Atlanta volunteering. But then again, the yearning for all these oh. other countries started coming right. up. Like, like so you so you did that little David thing, how he was anointed to be king, but then he went back to be a shepherd. That's all. You know, <laughs> if y'all haven't noticed, you know, we kind of like the Jesus. So we will be referring to the Jesus and the God and all the things Absolutely. that we learned from doing it, because clearly you have to have a faith for people in order to serve and come in countries that exactly. others don't go. Now, recently you went back to Africa on your umpteenth trip. <laughs> Where yeah. did you go this time? Was it Uganda? Was it Kenya? Where was it this time that you went? So this time I went to Uganda and um, actually I had went to Uganda last year as well. But this time in April, I went to Uganda and spent time with women entrepreneurs um, in Kampala. So Kampala is like, you know, the, the capital is the main location. So I spent time in Kampala, but then also I went like to different um, like rural parts of Uganda to spend time with women entrepreneurs outside of the city as well. And when I tell you, you talk about women that I just absolutely love their strength, their, um, their power their resiliency. I mean, they're so resilient. Right. They are visionaries. Um, so when we think about like all the things that we are here uh -huh. in America, in America as a woman and the struggles that we have, I would say that their struggles, yes, are greater, right? Because they, we're over here yeah. praying, right. God, you know, can you pay my cell phone bill? They're over there praying that they will actually make it to another day. That they and it's will a, get and food it's a different type of joy as well because I Absolutely. have I have not had the the um, honor yet to visit the continent. Um, okay. But and as we refer to continent meaning Africa, we have I haven't had that that honor yet. But what I've been told is the joy that is there of living far outweighs the actual circumstances that are having. So would you say Absolutely. then, has that given you a bigger joy? How how has that affected you in your living when you come back home? Oh, listen, when I, when I come back home, I mean, and I learned this a long time ago when I was going to Africa and Mexico and different places in Latin America and Europe and all that. I learned a long time ago, Shanice, that listen, the little things that I used to be worried about, that is nothing to worry about, okay? Right. There are right. bigger things to worry about. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I have real concerns or real needs? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But to be honest, I believe what it what it does is always put into perspective that it could be worse, okay? Right. So that's kind of like the, the mentality that I adopted a long time ago, like, okay, LaCarrie, you're going through this, but it really could be worse. So in a sense, find the good in, in what this. you're doing. Yes. And focus yes. on the good, right? And yes. grow, <laughs> even grow in this. Because it's, some, it's something, regardless of the fact, it is something in it where I need to be growing as a person, as a mother, as a, um, as a you know, um, a friend, right. as a coworker, 
Right. So I've, I've, I've really learned to, you know, stop looking at things and in a sense, stop complaining, stop right. murmuring. Well, okay. Murmuring. Get, get off my toes. Um, so yeah, I'm going, I'm going to listen to that, but here is a little black, uh, a little known black history fact about LaCarrie. She loves fashion and everything with style. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. So how, tell me about that part of you. So we know the corporate raider. We know the philanthropist and the giver and the server. Tell me about fashionista, Carrie. Let me tell you something here. I can, I used to think at one point that I was going to be some type of uh, fashion designer as a young person. Um, and when I was in elementary and actually through high school, my mom had put me in Listen, this is me trying to, you know, do something and be all, you know, like really engaged as a as a young person. But my mom put me in modeling school. Oh, and um, and so I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, that's where a lot of the foundational uh, parts of me, like my confidence, all right. of that was built through modeling. But and I did fashion shows, all of that great stuff. Wonderful. And it is with that that I just. I realized that it allows me fashion, that is, allows me to be the LaCary, like the real born LaCary, creative, unique, free. And I feel like I'm able to mm -hmm. express all of that through fashion. So mm -hmm. to me, fashion is really just, you know, a way of LaCary expressing her uniqueness and sharing her uniqueness with the world. Well, I will say that we definitely have that in common because my fashion, I feel that same way with like my hair, you know, uh, whatever color I feel for the moment and my barber has in stock is what we're going to do. You know, she she's my pusher. She's my dealer, though. She said, hey, 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 I got a new color for you. I'm like, oh. what are we going to do? Um, and I've been telling people because um, the Shanice who I am now is not mm -hmm. the Shanice who I was maybe about five or, or three years ago. So everyone's always evolving. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, what happened? Did you go through a midlife crisis? What's going on? I was like, uh, no, it's an awakening. I had an awakening where I wanted my outside to look like I felt on the inside. Have you had an awakening? What is your awakening moment? Ooh, we, oh my goodness. That's a great question. Um, I would just say, um, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes, um, my awakening moments really come when there is something major that takes place in life. Okay. So whether it is the breakup in a relationship, whether it is a new position or a new job or whether it is a new initiative that um or or or, or vision that I feel like I've been given and I need to mm -hmm. deliver it. Um I think here here was a really great awakening. So around the time that I turned 40, I was um in the middle of a breakup, a relationship with my children's father. And I remember these Distinctly, like uh -huh. 
I just had this, this huge awakening when I got an email. I got an email from one of my colleagues who said, hey, LaCarrie, you remember you said you wanted to come out here to Singapore. Come on out. And I'm like, oh, I jumped on the plane and oh. went to Singapore and Indonesia and spent a couple of weeks there. Now, see, that's my kind of awakening. <laughs> and when I tell you, when I got out to Singapore and to Indonesia, now, mind you, I did volunteer. I volunteered with children, with mm -hmm. um, um, older people, as well as the severe mental, mentally um, and emotionally disabled um, population. Right. But my point is, is that that was one of the most significant awakenings in my life. Like I looked at life, you think Africa was something, I looked at life totally mm -hmm. different. Um, the way that, I mean, just even the way that I received information, something right. simple as that. It's something, something simple. Broke. It's something, you know, you get a broader span of how life is. And when you're, especially when you're standing on the ground somewhere else, I think that's what travel does. But when you're traveling to serve, it's even a bigger um, understanding of we are a part of something great. We're a part of something yes. amazing. And it's not all about you. You just ain't that special. You're but special, but you ain't that special. But not that special. And Shanice, right. the thing is, is that when I was spending time with, I, I spent time with my colleague and his family, okay, because uh -huh. his wife, we had, me and his wife had become really great friends. And the way that they loved on me, mm -hmm. um, you know, after going through this huge breakup, the way that his family, his kids, his wife yes. loved on me. And when I say they loved on me, like they just treated me like a queen. You know, yeah. I was in Singapore. They treated me like a queen. And they even took me on a vacation away from Singapore. They were like, hey, let's get out of Singapore. We're going to take you away. But here's the point. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I spent time with those who um, are mentally and uh, severely uh, emotionally disabled, that group, I promise you, when I tell you the biggest eye opener was when they wanted me, it was a group of teenagers and they wanted uh -huh. me, they were in a home and they wanted me to join them in preparing sandwiches for everyone in the group home. Okay. And I cried the entire time. Because I said, now, hold up now. They don't even really know me like that. Like I am, I just right. came out here. I'm spending this time. They received me and they wanted me to like be a part of them. And right. to actually, and I'm like, well, I don't even like Bringing you into the fold. Bringing they will you bring into me, the family. They will you bring, feel connected. Breaking bread with someone is the closest thing that you can do. Do you, do you hear me? Yes. That was an aha moment and I had a great awakening. And so again, it's different points and times when I have a huge awakening and it's always, again, it's always something that kind of is going on in my life that triggers that. Okay. And so, yeah. Well, yep. well you, you, to me, and to our audience, you've done it all. 
You have raised children. You are traveling the globe. You have an amazing job. You have passion. So are you, what's next? Are you going to become that fashion designer? I mean, what is next? Well, I've already stepped into designing um, my my oh. items. So, um, but I don't, okay, so... I don't necessarily know how to sew per se, but there, like a couple of years ago, I um, found- But you don't a, have to know how to sew to design. I, I know, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I found um, a tailor, a young lady mm -hmm. who, who actually, I just described to her, this is the dress that I would like. And it was African material. I went out and bought it. I had it shipped in and all this stuff. And when I tell you that young lady designed the dress to the T, wow. I had these long, like um, very um, just really elegant arms and it was, wow. uh, you know, the sleeves and she did it right. exactly as I envisioned it. So I will say to you that that's definitely a part of the next chapter of really, you know, like, like in a sense, kicking it right. with my own like carry okay. style but um but besides but that's that, gotta be how you got your um carry on brand you've been <laughs> you've already spoken it into existence because your instagram is not the carry jackson it's the carry on brand so you're already telling us it's like your 10-year journey to the continent now we're doing your 10-year journey to fashion design you've already told us what to look for i don't know if you realize that but you've already given us a hint well hint hint <laughs> that's, that's, that's what i was saying that's so at some point, though, I would like to write a book. I don't know when. I don't know now, what it's going to be about. But Your life. I'm sorry. I'm just listening. I'm, listen, I'm just listening because I see it. I can see it. It's it's you go ahead. We'll talk off camera on that one. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk off camera. It's it's something I'm thinking about. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. This we'll is see. wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Lakari, for coming on to the Shanice Show. I do appreciate you giving us the inspiration of how to live out loud when you're doing it through purpose and with mission. So this has been amazing. Um, and in the show notes, everybody, you'll be able to see how to get in contact with Lakari, how to be able to follow the Carry On brand so that you can see her travels as well as the fashion that's coming and be in inspired to do something in your community. So for coming onto the show and, and for giving me a little piece of your time. Thank you, Shanice. Thanks everyone. What's next, Shanice? I want to talk about this segment called What I Learned This Week. What I Learned This Week. What I learned this week, I have been going through a new awakening. An awakening meaning as there's some things that I were closed off in my life that I didn't really realize. It's, it's like a difference than being woke. It's more of it enlightens you. I recently went to, like I just told you, me and my friend Lachey went to New York and we got a chance to go see the Tamron Hall show. And this show was entitled Upcycle Your Life. And Tyreek um, Trotter was there. He's the guy from The Roots, you know, 
Carry a worry about me. Who would I hear I saw? Or what club I went to with my homies? Okay, I'm not gonna sing the whole song, but went to go see um him. And his book is called The Upcycle Self. And he described it as a way of not reusing what you have, but making it better, using everything that you got inside of you to make it better. So in that, I want to, this episode is upcycling. I want to talk to you about having can do versus purpose to do. Can do versus purpose to do. So what's the difference? So in this new awakening that I'm going through, having the Shanice show, having the show with my husband, shout out to my husband on Our Marriage Rock, starting a new company. What's different about this iteration than past iterations. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So being a serial entrepreneur means that you start, you sell a company or you close it and it serves its purpose. But with this, this is something that's legacy building. This is a company that I will sell one day, but sell it to another media company. And just because I can do it, which I can, I know this is what I'm purpose to do in this moment. So all money ain't good money. All all jobs ain't good jobs. All things are not good things. So just because you can do something doesn't mean you purpose to do it. And in this iteration of my life, I want to do things that God has purposed or put out there for me. So when I say purpose, I don't mean like this grand purpose of life. My life is to help others. I mean that in this moment, in this time, I am supposed to do this for the betterment of others and myself. I can go back to strategy. I can go back to baking. I can bring on clients, but that's not what I'm purposed to do. I am purposed to share the good news with others through media. That's what I'm purposed to do. And the avenue in which I'm doing that is the Shanice Show, is hosting is going out there and being an MC, is public speaking, motivational speaking, through the media company. That's what I'm purposed to do. And even though when you're purposed to do something, you cannot see the end goal. You don't know what's going to happen. You do know that it's right. You feel it in your bones. You know that this is where I'm supposed to be. And at this point, this is where I'm supposed to be. So thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I can't imagine doing this without you. I really want you to understand that I'm your girlfriend. I'm your bestie. This is how we catch up. So each week, we'll be catching up with each other about what's going on in your life, what's going on in my life. So in order for me to know what's going on in your life, you got to comment below any of the platforms and you can send information to the Shanice Show info at the be sure to stay in touch by liking and subscribing us on YouTube listening to us on your favorite podcast and we'll see you next week on the Shanice Show